Heavenly Father, we do indeed want to adore you from the bottom of our hearts, for you have broken into this dark night, into this, this world held by corrupt forces, and entered in and disarmed using a helpless baby, and the power of love, and the power of sacrifice, and overcoming evil with good, to provide a way for us to enter into your light for eternity. Father, we are just praise you at the brilliance, the ingenuity, and the love of your great plan that you have to redeem us who are so unworthy. Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity to be together with those that love you and to, to celebrate what you have done, what you have accomplished, and who you are. Father, we pray that your word would go out in power and accomplish its purpose in each one of our hearts. And Lord, that you would not be hindered by the weakness of your servant. Father, you know the needs, and we've mentioned a number <clears throat> who are unable to be here due to old age and to ill health. <clears throat> we, Father, we pray that they would be encouraged and Lord, we pray that you would stir up uh, your body to be your hands and feet and to bring them encouragement as well. Father, we pray for those who are still in darkness, for whom that light has not shined, that it may be broken through and we would be clear reflections that they may see the alternative to the prison that they're in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was uh, inspired um, by the, the Messiah program I am um, every year, but uh, the, the words that I, I can't get out of my head uh, this year are um, uh, found in Psalms 2, the book of Psalms chapter 2. And I would like to, to read that and see what the Lord has in store for us this morning. <clears throat> It is not uh, typically what we would associate with uh, a Christmas morning service. It does not evoke images of a mild and tender babe in a manger. Um, but we need to be careful that we preach the whole word of God and we preach the entire character of God. Uh, and this is showing another part of God we need to all reckon with. Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the creed the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. 
Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Lord, bless the reading of his word. The Lord is worthy that we bow before him in prayer. O Father in heaven, we are so thankful that after a very stormy few days in which much of North America was buried in snow and pummeled with high winds and many have lost their lives, we thank thee, Lord, that we can experience the calm of this morning and that we are able to gather together in your house of prayer, in your house of worship. We thank thee, Lord, that as we have even sung this morning, how lovely shines the morning star, referring to thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, referring to the one that we are commanded to kiss, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the wonderful Counselor, we thank thee that we can approach thy throne of grace this morning, knowing that he, the Prince of Peace, is at thy right hand, interceding for those that love him. And Lord, we thank thee for the word that has been preserved for us these 2,000 years, the word that has been documented so well that it is incredulous to humans that something has been kept so intact, a word that is so coherent, a word that is one word that is a continuation of the history of mankind that has culminated in the crucifixion, in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yea, Lord, he was a as we heard this morning, a baby in a manger. As we sing in our hymns. Lord, we pray, Lord, that he doesn't remain in the manger, in the hearts of men. But they will see him on the cross. That they will see him, one that was in many eyes defeated yet he rose victorious from the grave. And Father in heaven, we pray that <clears throat> as the kings of this earth rose up against him, as the kings of the earth thought that they had him in their clutches, yet up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. 
And we pray, Lord, as we listen to the gospel message this morning, that this may be clear and evident. Father, we pray that your name would be glorified and lifted up this morning, not only here in the sanctuary, but throughout this world. Lord, to those that are tuning in online, we pray that also they would feel the, the blessings and the, the fellowship that we can have with thee, the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, we pray that you would be with those that cannot come, even those that are here and may be ailing with ailments and pains and suffering. We pray that you would be with them, that you would comfort them, that you would heal them, that they would feel your presence and know that in your hands is the safest place to be. No matter what our condition, no matter what our state, as long as we are in your hands and as long as we place our trust in thee, the living God. O oh, Father in heaven, we can see, Lord, that this world, as much as Jesus Christ was the Prince of Peace, is once again deviating and diverging back to thinking that the way to peace is through war. O oh Lord, we pray that the kings of this world will see as they try to maneuver with their own wisdom and their own understanding that they will see it is for naught. It is just destructive, but rather they should surrender and lay down their arms and beat their swords into plowshares. O oh God, that this kingdom of Christ may prevail and that your name may be glorified and that we may all believe and say, yes, Father is right. Father in heaven, be with us this morning hour. Bless us and may your name be praised, honoured and glorified. For we ask all of these things. Be with uh, our dear brother as you would preach your word. Grant unto him the strength from above and the wisdom and the clarity of mind. Also, Father, we pray for those that have lost loved ones, especially the Reinhardt Kurtz family. Comfort them, strengthen them, and may they feel your presence and your love this morning also. We ask all of these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. This uh, passage was included in the libretto of the Messiah because it was part of the prophesy, prophecy the, that of how the Messiah would return and how he would liberate the captives with a rod of iron. I just want to read another passage in contrast to that because there are two images we see and there are two comings of the Messiah. If we keep our, our finger there and turn to Isaiah 42, we see a contrasting image of the Messiah being predicted through prophecy. Isaiah 42, beginning at verse one reads, Behold my servant, whom I uphold mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, 
I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. This uh, passage in Isaiah is, is, is quoted by Matthew as he comments on Jesus' avoiding after having done a miracle forbidding the healed person from spreading the good news about what happened there, that he was not one who caused his voice to be heard in the street. It talks about his gentleness. A bruised reed is very fragile. The fibers have lost their strength. It takes very little, a smoking flax even less so. It's, it's a, a mere breath can break that tenuous um, uh, fiber. And yet Jesus was known to be so gentle. Even with those who had lost hope, who were in despair, who felt they had, were hanging by a thread and had nowhere to go, he came with his love and gentleness and truth and was able to even restore them. And we are impressed with that image of not only a God who has power, but a God who is tender, who is merciful. And uh, that's a, 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 a very true image of, of, of Jesus as he entered in as that helpless baby um, and accomplished his purpose through the miracles and through his death and dying. But the danger is that we think he will always be a lamb and never realize he is also the Lion of Judah. And this was the mistake of those who were awaiting the Messiah, that because he came as a lamb, they did not recognize him. Because they were awaiting physical liberation, and they were awaiting a conquering king, and they were awaiting someone who would come and rule with a rod of iron, this gentle teacher didn't qualify, despite the fact that his words were demolishing their self-righteousness in their power base. But we know from Scripture that Jesus is coming again. And we've already eliminated the fact that he's come once as the suffering servant, the gentle one. Therefore, when he comes again, we know this other image is how he will come. The passage opens up with a focus not on God, but on the people of this earth, the heathen, the goyim is the, the word underneath there, the gathering, the rage, which interestingly is, uh, could be translated tumultuous gathering, a, a mob, in other words, that there is going to be a mob culture, that there is going to be... Um, People will imagine that they have this alternate way of doing things and believing things and, and what's right and wrong and of their, 
And, and it is those in power, the kings of the earth, that take a stand. They take this position and they do so in collusion. They take counsel together. There's, there's um, a conspiracy. There is a confederacy. There is a, a working together even behind the scenes. And the focus of this isn't for the betterment of the kingdom or the benefit of the people. It's really against God. It says they're against the Lord and against his anointed, against Jesus. And we've kind of seen, you know, this play out. Um, the Bible says that the prince Princes of this world would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they had understood these things. That's a, from, from the, um, Paul's epistles in Corinthians, I believe. And so the, the, the powers on this planet are under the prince of the air. They are being orchestrated by the evil one. Sometimes people can feel they are extra clever when they say, I can look behind the curtain of the two-party American system and I know there are kingmakers behind there and I know there are powers that make powers. But you, the scripture tells us we need to be wiser, not clever, but wiser still and realize that even behind those kingmakers, there is a prince of evil who has been cast down, knows he has little time, and has an agenda, and his agenda has a single focus, and that focus is against the Lord and against his anointed. And notice the similarity now in his, his message, which he's, he whispered as a snake into the ear of that first woman as he caused the fall, and now he shouts from the raging mob, from those that are in power, those who are putting them in power, those who are exerting power on the population, and their message is, let us break their bonds asunder. Let's cast away their cords from us. They are going, we want to do away with all moral restraint. What is the bonds that are being uh, raged against? Being the mob culture is, def is crying out against. It is the moral restraint. It is God's design in everything. And we're against every restraint, every, every principle that's being said here. So we go through the Ten Commandments, you know, adultery. Well, that went out in long time ago right you know we all sexual um uh rules all um you know rules of gender male and female even the definition of male and female has been under serious attack this past year especially uh we can see how this is against god's rules and the attack isn't even make sense. It doesn't benefit the king. The king is a pawn of the one who's behind the system. And yet, and we sit in that shadow and we can be intimidated. If you can imagine what it would be like a year ago to be in Ukraine, for example, 
and to know that the, the, the armies that are amassing on all three sides, uh, right around um, in, from Belarus down to Crimea, the, the tanks and the armaments and, and just overwhelming force, and to know you are just waiting for the, the shoe to drop, if you will. It feels sometimes that we are under attack. It feels that God's values are under attack, and it's because they are. It is not, um, it's not a supposition. It is the overt plan. And what is our response? There can be the response of despair. The, 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 the shrugging of the soldiers saying, this is how things go. This is how they've always gone. People you know, are inherently corrupt and they will corrupt our culture and we can do nothing. <clears throat> uh, there can be the response of, we need to take power ourselves. We need to have a revolution. We need to set up a champion and we need to, to gather and and take counsel together about how we will defeat these cultural forces. God is not threatened. And neither should we feel threatened by all the forces that are raging against us. God who is sitting in the heavens is not at all threatened by the power of social media or the power of uh, whatever uh, of cancel culture, the power of redefining all these things that, that seems that there's no one that can stand up against it without being mowed over. God is not threatened. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. The one message is to those who would be discouraged. We do not rest in our own strength. We do not wrestle and fight with our own force and strength. It is God who vengeance is his and he will repay and that's the rest of this chapter. God will repay. It is not our job to do so. We are called to be in the image of his son the one who came with gentleness and with love and did not quench the smoking flax and that showed mercy to all that were, were repentant and yet had spoke the truth without hesitancy to those who were in power and those who needed to hear it. He did not raise up an army. He did not 
start a revolution. And neither do we need to think in those terms. To do so is to play into the very plans of the evil one. As, as you know, we see the militant, um, uh, you know, fundamentalist or so on, who, who, who merely um, by thinking to use the same weapons of this world is becomes disqualified. That does not mean to become weak. It does not mean to become passive. It does not mean to be intimidated. Our forefathers who had a stand, who, who were in the shadow of darkness of the Second World War, who were in the shadow of the darkness of the First Great War, which was a war to end all wars, which did not do that, and who, who, who for their faith, were willing to sacrifice and overcame um, greater, uh, because they could not be bought off or intimidated or um, uh, coerced. Their faith endured and those kingdoms that coerced them are now gone. On the other hand, I think that that's the message of encouragement, that we have a God in heaven who is not intimidated, who is laughing at the things that may seem scary and overwhelming around us. On the other hand, we need to make sure that we are ready for the return of the great king because it will not be as a helpless babe. It will not be in gentleness. It will be with force. Then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. He's speaking of, and he's going to talk in clarity here, about breaking them with a rod of iron, about dashing them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This imagery of Jesus coming and ruling with a rod of iron is repeated four times in Scripture. And this is the first place in Psalms, and it's also repeated in Revelations in three places. One as he promised to the, the suffering church that Jesus will come and will reign with a rod of iron. And then as he does so in, in, in Revelations 12, where the woman bears a child who uh, the, Satan, and it's explicitly Satan in that chapter, not just hinted at it here, but explicitly the dragon who is called the devil and Satan, who's cast down to earth with one third of the angels. It's very explicit that he is raging against the woman and trying to prevent the child who will, it says, rule with a rod of iron. He's caught up to heaven, but he's coming back and he will rule with a rod of iron. We read in Revelations 12. In Revelations 19, which is now the future event where, where Jesus comes and we kind of 
talked about that just a month ago in Zechariah 14 in the explicit detail how Jesus will come down at the, at the gathering and the rage of the entire world which are coming against Jerusalem and they will have, have destroyed half the city and they will be um, pillaging and raping their way through when Jesus returns. And he will come with a, and set up a rule from Jerusalem. This, again, Isaiah is detailed about the thousand-year reign. That will be a reign of power. It will not be in gentleness. That there will be severe consequences to those who oppose that reign. And so when it says here, I have given thee the heathen for thine inheritance, it will be the entire world not just the Jewish people that will be under the dominion of Jesus who will rule them with a rod of iron. And this intimidating power structure that we are, have with difficulty perceive and find no way to overturn will be smashed like a clay pot. As it's hit with an iron rod, it will be obliterated with it's, it will be fragile. It will be, there'll be no resistance to his power. And so the appeal is to these pawns who, who think themselves kings that they look at the long game. At this point, it looks like you're in control. It looks like you can do as you will. It looks like you're, you're collecting power with others and that together you will be able to rule the world and accomplish what you think is your agenda but is being fed to you. But be instructed. It is the Lord you need to serve with fear and rejoice with trembling. Fear and rejoice with trembling seems contradictory. Rejoice with trembling. When do you rejoice while you're trembling with fear. When you approach a God who is so much greater, so much more powerful and beautiful and true and right, that you know that you are not a king. And you have to surrender the kingdom of your own heart to him and acknowledge and you, it, it, there is an awe and a wonder as you see even the smallness of his creation, as you see the vast stars and the mountains and, 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 and all that is great and powerful in this world as a mere creation of his spoken with the word as you come to that source. You will have no choice but to kneel. Will you do it with joy? We will all tremble. We will all bow the knee. But will it be with joy in recognition and, and, and relief that the one who should be king is now king? The one who will finally bring order to chaos, right to what's wrong, healing and, and truth to dispel all lies. Will you rejoice? Or will you say, as we read in Revelation 6, rocks fall on us, cover me, hide me from the face of him who's coming. The moment will reveal what is in our hearts. 
your posture will be the same. It's Christmas. It is a time that we are expected or culturally to, to you know, be festive for good reason. God has entered. He has, you know, in, in the words of some, it's as if he's, he's, he's landed on the enemy territory. He has a, um, a hold that we will be able to push back the forces of the enemy. But that message has been diluted. It's been replaced bit by bit. The Christ has been replaced with an X. The focus on the manger has been replaced with a focus on the Christmas tree. The focus on his gift has been replaced with focus on gifts. The focus on the bread of life has been replaced with a focus of Christmas food and cheer. And as we replace what is with good things, that which is best, we lose sight. Not only of the goodness of God, but his severity. Because they're both there. And when we reduce God from the lion to only the helpless lamb, an important part of him because he is vulnerable, because he chooses to love, because he does care, because he is one who can be approached with confidence. But he's not one who can be played. He's not one who can be threatened. He's not one who can be manipulated. If you think you can have your cake and eat it too, if you think that you can have your kingdom and not cast your crown at his feet, at his return, and yet still claim to be a part of his kingdom, there is but one king. And it is in our cultural um, as we defang Christianity, as we declaw it, as we make it something from a lion to a pussycat, we endanger ourselves. We make a fatal mistake. And this message this morning is to remind us Jesus is coming. And he's coming as the lion. Let us kiss the sun. We don't want him to be angry even just a little. Include blessed. We've been reading the Beatitudes, all the blessings, the blessings of being willing to mourn, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to be merciful, to be meek. Here the blessing is to those that put their trust in him. While you're here in this planet, while you're under the threat of the raging mob, while you have the opposition of the, the, your uh, adversary who knows he has but little time, who, who uses fear and lies as his, his most effective devices, 
You need to trust that God is in heaven. He is not intimidated by any of the forces arrayed against you. He will triumph. He will restore. You need to trust him now when you don't see him. When you see him, it will be too late. The time for faith and trust will be over. Faith will become sight. Your heart will be revealed in the choices you've made. Now, put your trust in the babe who's become your savior, in the king who has been glorified and is coming to redeem his own. Kiss the son. Approach him in humility. Approach him in reverence today while the grace is still being extended. May the Lord bless his word. Brother, please choose a hymn. Let's find the point Let's sing together the honor of glory of our Lord, hymn number 298, all four verses.
Little brother, please lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and Holy Ghost, you rule all over the world, and yet again here on this earth there is a rebellion against thy will. We ask thee, dear Heavenly Father, may we obey thy word, may we be sons and daughters of thine, may we follow the narrow path that leads to eternal life. May we be attracted to that promise to obey thee, to be thy people, because thy burden is light and thy yoke is easy. The Heavenly Father, we are remindful, remindful of the precious baby that was born on promised day and time to come to this world to live the life without sin to shine the light on a high place and uh, take the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for thy people take the sin on thyself become sin and become that lamb that slain for us through thy wounds and suffering we were cleansed we were pardoned we were redeemed we were numbered amongst thy people, the Heavenly Father, may we always have that in our hearts, the gratitude for all this work that has been done to us that were enemies of thine at the time we were numbered and chosen and preordained, the Heavenly Father. We, we want to thank thee for that wonderful gift, even this day. And not only this day, but throughout the year. The Heavenly Father, we ask thee to reveal thyself to reminder that needs to be saved before thou closest the door of salvation, which will come one day. The Heavenly Father, we are very grateful that we uh, were able to be born again our brothers and sisters, and we prayfully and fearfully ask thee to be merciful and graceful to those that were not, and still they are meant to be at peace with thee. Dear Holy Father, our children, our relatives, our cousins, our friends, this whole world, whoever is to be saved, may they be saved. We ask thee, may thy will be fulfilled. We ask these things with confidence because we know that's thy will. We ask thee that thy will might be fulfilled 
as promised fully and completely. Dear Heavenly Father, there are many that are sick or in pain or traveling this day and time. Maybe we all remember them and uh, ask thee to bless them uh, and those that are in different trials and tribulations, dear Heavenly Father, we know, not know, but thou knowest. Dear Heavenly Father, there are many needs of thy people. We ask thee as a medic, as a savior to visit everybody and bless on this day. Dear Heavenly Father, there are many Petitions and our prayer is so weak. We ask the, the heavenly Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a supreme advocate or ours. Be with us and stay with us. Pray to our Father for mercies, for blessings, for extending days of salvation. Be with us and stay with us in the precious name with our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray again. Amen. Please choose a concluding hymn. Let's sing hymn number 299, all three verses.
This morning, I viewed a very disturbing text that was posted by Millie's first cousin in Australia. He said he wouldn't want to publish this, but he felt he needed to. It showed pictures of his battered face, beat up, bruises, scars, blood. And he said, I didn't want to publish this, but I felt I needed to. Because he got confronted by a few thugs that beat him up. I don't know what the reason was, money. But he felt he needed to tell others because as they fled, he took a photograph. He had still the, the strength to take a photograph of these thugs who were captured not long afterwards. As I told that story to my wife who had not yet read the, the article, she said, you know, my dad was beaten up when he was coming home from work when he first came to Australia and he's worked night shift and he'd walk home, he never had a car. He got confronted and was beaten. And a lady saw that, she screamed out and they fled. So the, the people from the church decided to say, let's buy him a car because he needs a car to get home to and from work safely. What am I trying to say? 50 years ago hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, the world is getting even more ugly. The, the people are getting more bold. White collar crime is causing havoc in people's wealth, breaking into their accounts, stealing. What seems to be a more highly technical world and sophisticated is still rotten to the core inside. People hate, people destroy, people rob, people steal. They phone you every day thinking you're a, a widow or somebody like that that is gullible and naive and you can punch in your respond to this email or text or this phone call and then they rob you from your bank accounts or deceive you into giving them money, whatever the case is. This, this, as Jeremiah said, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And what Jesus came to this earth for was not to give us a government of peace in the terms of no more wars, no more. He didn't come us. He didn't come to enforce peace upon mankind with armies. Psalm one ten says, "In the age of the Messiah, He will come, and people will serve Him willingly." It's going to come from the inside. It's going to come from the heart. Not by compulsion, not by constraint, not by restraint. But when they serve him willingly and they surrender their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, then there will be true peace. Then there will be that peace that, that Jesus says that the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation but is in within you. 
There was a man called, many of you know him, especially the older generation, Leo Tolstoy. In Serbian, it's love Tolstoy, I believe. And he was a man that was profane. He lived a very promiscuous life as a young man. And he began to wonder, what's the meaning of life? And he joined the army, the Russian army, and he actually fought in Crimea, the very country that was snatched back by the Russians and now they want to take over Ukraine. He fought in that war. And during that time, he learned a lot of things. And what he learned, one of the major things he learned was the story of where true peace comes from. He wrote a book called The Kingdom of God, and da-da-da. And I often quote Gandhi. He wasn't a Christian. But as a young man, he wrote to Tolstoy when he read his book. And he wanted to know how to deal with getting independence from India, from the British in India. And pursuing what Tolstoy wrote, he's a big supporter of what Tolstoy was saying, who, who started preaching and teaching Beatitudes, who started attending and telling the people we need to take care of the poor. He, he basically gave the rest of his life in serving the poor. And Gandhi went back home after his stint in South Africa, becoming a lawyer there, and he won independence from the British with very little bloodshed, not because he wanted to. 1948, he became, India, I believe it was the date, became an independent nation without the shedding of blood, without war. They beat their swords to plowshares. As Brother Edmund mentioned in his sermon, 1 Corinthians 2 talks about that the wisdom of this world, if the princes of this world knew who Jesus Christ was, they would not have done what they did. This wisdom of this world just leads to destruction, leads to corruption. But the wisdom of God, the mighty counselor, the wise counselor, the prince of peace says, love your enemies, do good to them that, that despise you and persecute you. Overcome evil with good. Turn the other cheek. This is only possible with the Lord of peace, the Prince of Peace, living in our hearts, teaching us through the Holy Spirit what true wisdom is. And I pray that you will not keep on going in this world thinking that you can outsmart God, that there are other ways that I can become fulfilled, that I can become 
uh, assured of, of a good life. That's foolishness. That's not wisdom. I pray that you would surrender, beat your plows, beat your swords into plowshares, serve the living God, and see that he will not open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessing upon you. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service, and we would encourage you to, to meet and greet each other, and if we can gather together by around about 10 to 10 to um, 12, we can gather around the piano.